Welcome to Dave Turner's Seat Yourself podcast series on the hospitality tabletop industry. Dave is the globally known chief evangelist and editor for tabletopjournal.com. This podcast was originally published on the week of March 11th, 2019, and runs for approximately 23 minutes. A non-traditional journalist, Dave has spent nearly 30 years as a sales and marketing executive in the world of hospitality. Hi again, everyone. It's Dave, and I'd like to welcome you back to our Seat Yourself podcast. To our regular listeners, this will be old hat, but if this is your first time here, Seat Yourself is our 15 to 20 minute podcast on what's happening in the world of hospitality tabletop. And as many of you know, we do all this from the beautiful city of Baltimore here on America's East Coast. For those who may not be familiar with Baltimore, Baltimore's a great up and coming food and beverage city with some truly great eating and drinking establishments. One of those establishments is the Rye Street Tavern in the Port Covington area of Baltimore. Rye Street is definitely worth a visit on your next trip to this area as it serves up some really delicious food and drink in a tremendous atmosphere. Run by Andrew Carmelini's NoHo Group, you're definitely going to love the upscale, casual, gastropub feel of this, water, this waterfront restaurant. And before you dine at Rye Street, make sure you take a little time to tour the Sagamore Distillery next door. Home to Sagamore Spirit Rye Whiskey, this new distillery is making some great Maryland rye whiskey, which was the vision owner and Under Armour CEO Kevin Plank laid out when Sagamore opened recently. Tours last about an hour at the distillery, and it's, and it's only 20 steps from the front door of Rye Street Tavern, so it's perfectly situated. And this is just one of the great food and beverage experiences you can have here in our home city of Baltimore. Oh, and did I mention that the new North American Visitor Center for Guinness opened up here in Baltimore? Maybe I didn't. Guess we'll have to save that for another episode. And now, since there's always a lot going on in the industry these days, let's get right to it. Our stat of the week, you do know by now we start off each week with a stat of the week, right? Our stat of the week this week is 50. According to the National Restaurant Association's Hudson Reel, who is their guru, all things statistical, 50% of U.S. millennials report that they're more likely to order restaurant food and have it delivered to them than they were just two years ago. We've spoken on Seat Yourself about food delivery and off-premise dining and its growth, and now this stat just reaffirms what we may have already intuitively been knowing. That is that the ordering of online food and having it delivered is gaining acceptance. And that's why you see companies like DoorDash getting hundreds of millions of dollars in new investment. But food delivery is not without its issues. The primary one is that it costs a lot, especially on small orders, to get that delivery to the customer. The Wall Street Journal wrote recently about the example of Panera Bread, a customer ordering a $9.99 Cuban sandwich from Panera, and that is to be delivered in about 30 minutes to the consumer's door. Taking into account labor, gas, and packaging, that Panera delivery will cost approximately $5. Panera charges only a flat fee of $3, so the restaurant has to absorb those additional costs in order not to lose their business. And with in-store traffic flat or declining for many chain restaurants, they simply have to put up with those costs for now. And keep in mind, many restaurant delivery orders go without beverages, which can often add up nicely to the overall profitability of an in-store customer's order. And according to a recently conducted survey of fast food and fast casual customers, 85% of them are not willing to pay more than $5 extra to have the food delivered. So, while more consumers are considering ordering restaurant food to be delivered, more and more operators are struggling with the cost of that delivery. 
And for the permanent tabletop suppliers, the growth in off-premise or in-home dining from food delivered from restaurants will mean less use of in-restaurant tabletop items and therefore less frequent and eventually smaller reorders. One solution can be for operators and tabletop suppliers to work together to make the in-store restaurant experience frictionless and more compelling in order that people will prefer to dine in. In our February 25th Seat Yourself episode, we did a story on Texas Roadhouse and how they are, Texas Roadhouse of course is a 500 plus unit chain, but it showed how they're working hard to ensure their dining experience remains compelling and gets better and better. They're investing in the future and making sure that they customers get a better guest experience each and every time they visit a Texas Roadhouse. That's what we're talking about. In our opening news story this week, Edward Don and Company has just launched its spring tabletop 2019 advisor, and it looks simply awesome. Nearly 150 pages of very tempting new products from the world's premier suppliers of hospitality tabletop. There is something for everyone in this latest edition of the advisor. And with the changing seasons comes a passion for moving our dining outside. And according to the Don Advisor, offering outdoor dining can increase sales and profits by as much as 30%. Whether you need new dinnerware or new outdoor furniture to complete or to refresh your alfresco dining experience for your guests, Edward Don's Spring Advisor has plenty of options. Also included in this edition of the Advisor are some of the winners from Food Equipment and Supply Magazine's Performance and Tabletop Awards. These winners were in locations where the Don sales representatives played major roles in specifying and executing the tabletops for these winning Don customers. The Edward Don award-winning customers ranged in type from a senior living center and from various restaurants and lounges to several hotels and casinos. We want to say congratulations to all the winners. And the theme of Tabletop Remix continues throughout this edition of The Advisor as the Edward Don people show how easily different styles and colors of tabletop products can be mixed to provide operators with near magical food, pre food presentation opportunities. And this all adds up to an enhanced overall guest experience. And isn't that what it's all about? Lots of great ideas from lots of incredible manufacturers. With a wide variety of reactive glazes on ceramic dinnerware and colorful finishes on flatware, all the way to gorgeous, hard to believe it's melamine, and literally everything you need to upgrade your hotel and restaurants, food and beverage program. The new Spring Advisor has something, as I said before, for everyone. Get your copy of the 2019 Spring Tabletop Advisor from your local Edward Don representative or go to www.don.com and download a copy. And in our next news story this week, Germany's BHS Tabletop this past week reported continued profits despite global market challenges throughout this past year. Of course, BHS Tabletop is composed of leading hospitality tabletop brands such as Bauscher, Schoenwald, and Tafelstern. With turnover decreasing slightly to approximately 120 million euros, BHS enjoyed being profitable for the sixth straight year in 2018. BHS CEO Christian Strutman commented, in spite of unfavorable conditions in key markets, which prevented us from achieving all our goals in 2018, we were still very profitable and are in a position to make key investments in technological innovations and digitization from our own resources. Good news coming out of BHS Tabletop. 
And little wonder, with strong brands like Bowser, Schoenwald, and Tafelstern, and with great products like the new Shiro from Schoenwald that were reported on from the Ambiente show, and along with great organizational development and key subsidiaries like Bowser Hep, incorporated here in the U.S. These are simply the things that leadership companies do to achieve success, and then they maintain it. Nice job, BHS. In our first company and product segment this week, I instead want to talk about the International Restaurant and Food Service Show of New York, which we attended this past week. And for the record, I've always called the show the New York Restaurant Show, and maybe you have too. So my apologies to the show organizers, but I'm still going to call it the New York Restaurant Show. Anyway, in our visit to the New York Restaurant Show, although it was very brief, the show seemed very well attended and very well organized. Now, for the first time, the show was co-located with the Healthy Food Expo and a show called Coffee Fest, so that may have impacted my, uh, my impression as well. But this three shows, one badge approach really seemed to work, as there were 800 plus exhibitors and lots of activities in almost every aisle. There were also great tabletop products on display. The tabletop displays were dominated by Singer and the M. Tucker Group, their area, and then displays over in the area of Sam Tellen Company. These two competing New York regional dealers have offered a wide assortment of tabletop brands, with I think the team at Tucker having an edge in the variety of tabletop product types, with everything from fine porcelain to pottery type products. Also, they had a little better merchandising too. I think I really like that. It isn't a competition, but that's the realities of it. We also had the opportunity to ask Amy Reimer, who manages all the show's communications, about this year's edition of the show. And here's what Amy had to say. Hi, this is Amy Reimer, and I work with Clarion UX. We've produced and developed the International Restaurant and Food Service Show of New York. This is our 26th year here at the Javits Center, and we are co-located for the first time with Coffee Fest and Healthy Food Expo, making our show the largest in its history. We have 800 exhibiting companies, about 18,000 attendees are planning on uh, walking the show floor over the three-day event. We've got great special events. We have a culinary stage where Marcus Samuelson received the Torch Award yesterday. We gave out the Beacon Award this afternoon and had a food service panel for women. We've got education programs and special events, and it's really just been a remarkable uh, three days here in New York. This show happens every March at New York's famed Javits Center, which, by the way, happens to be in a part of New York City that has been renamed Hudson Yards and has been under tremendous development. Very cool area now and very happening in terms of food and beverage. All this and great tabletop too. Just more reasons to come to New York in March and visit what I'm continuing to call the New York Restaurant Show. When it comes to talking about companies and product segments, we have to admit that there's one hospitality tabletop category that even we need to occasionally remind ourselves to feature more frequently, and that's the category of table lighting. After all, we continually speak about raising the guest dining experience by providing just the right atmosphere. And table lighting is simply one of the key ways to do just that. And like most others in our industry, when we think table lighting, we immediately think of a company called Hollowick. Hollowick is a small, independent company whose entire focus is table lighting and fuel products. For the team at Hollowick, table lighting isn't just another category that they offer products in, it is the category. Maybe that's why they continually come up with such great new lighting products for restaurant tabletops. At the recent New York Restaurant Show, we had the opportunity to speak with Joel Nye. Joel is Hollowick's Director of Marketing, and he talked about the importance of table lighting and how Hollowick continues to lead that category. 
So table lighting plays an important role in the dining experience. Um, it, it really, uh, visually, if you think about dining in the five senses, it's you know, visually you eat with your eyes um, and you experience the tabletop with your five senses. And table lighting is an important part of that. Um, it plays, there's a perception associated with it, an elevated perception of, of the, the dining establishment um, that is a result of table lighting. Uh, the lighting quality is affected at the table. Um, you're never more attractive than you are by candlelight. Um, and it's uh, and there's a spiritual element too, just what fire does to you and the human connection. So there's all these great things that can happen with, with lighting at the table. For the operator, um, if people feel good in a space, and this is just one of those things that helps uh, a person feel comfortable and invited, they're apt to stay longer, they're apt to come back, they're apt to tell their friends, um, all those great things that happen that the operator want, uh, wants to have happen, all those benefits of that optimized dining experience. Hollowick, you know, we try to be, obviously we excel in table lighting. Um, that's really our lane. We want to be the, the leaders, not only in the lighting products we use, the candles, whether it's the liquid disposable, Panels that we uh, that we manufacture, or solid wax, or LED lighting. Um, we try to make sure that whatever we sell is the best available. <clears throat> and then on the lamp side, we know that the style of the tabletop is also very important to our customers. So we make sure that we have a lamp style that that for everyone, for every possible decor matchup or dinnerware style. So we you know we keep our eyes on all of the things that are happening and make sure that we have a complement to those things. Dedicated to quality and reliability, Hollowick also has a strong commitment to the environment. With their own green initiative, Hollowick has pledged to operate all aspects of their business in an environmentally responsible manner. And they proudly manufacture and stock their fuel items in central New York State, which has been Hollowick's home and headquarters for more than 46 years. For more information on how you can improve the lighting in your restaurant and the overall guest experience in your restaurant, you can check out Hollowick by going to hollowick.com. That's H-O-L-L-O-W-I-C-K.com. You'll be glad you did. Now, 60 Seconds with Shannon, where Dave asks Shannon Talon of Edward Donald Company the question of the week. This week, Shannon talks about whether salespeople sell their customers the right product or are influenced by the relationships that they may have with them. Hi, we're back with Shannon again this week, and this week is is a product-related question. And Shannon, when it comes to really the sales of products like glassware or, or any category for that matter, do salespeople sell their customers the quote-unquote right product for that particular operator? Or are they really heavily influenced by the relationships they may have with your company or SPIFs or some other uh, motivation? You know, I think the reality of it is it's a mixed bag. Uh, You know, you can't discount things like vendor relationships and promotions and contests and SPIFs. That's why they exist. However, I believe that the DSRs that really do a good job of selling tabletop are selling the right product for the right application. They are taking the time to qualify the customer, to qualify what the customer needs. Because first and foremost, we are consultants for our customers and we are problem solvers. And if our bag of solutions only includes a limited amount of tabletop options, um, then we're doing our customers a disservice. And I think that 
the sellers in our industry that, that do a good job of selling tabletop and servicing their customers as a consultant know that and know that despite how strong or how long they've known a local rep or how long they've worked with a particular manufacturer that their first priority is taking care of the customer and getting them the right product that they need. And so again, certainly there's going to be a mix depending on the situation, depending on uh, the scenario. But uh, I think that by and large, people are doing what's right for their customer because it's only going to bite them down the road if they don't. Because if whatever solution we've brought to that customer doesn't work and it's because their motivation was off kilter, uh, that's just going to hurt them down the road for future opportunities with that operator. Yeah, I'm thinking that as you're saying that, I'm thinking that if I'm motivated to sell a customer a particular product because I have a spiff on it, what happens when I have a spiff on a competitive product? Am I going to try and outsell the other product I sold them originally? So right. it's, it becomes a really becomes a credibility a issue. Yeah, absolutely. Credibility, that's a, that's a great word. And you know, when we talk about trust, credibility goes hand in hand in that because you really can't have one without the other. Now, here's Dave with this week's commentary. This week, Dave tells us how a company's culture can be a hugely important component to their success. We've just come through a great stretch of the year that I really love, and that is trade show season. Maybe some of you are still in the midst of doing various shows, but for the moment at least, our, that part of our scheduling seems to be quieting down. I'm sure it's just for the moment though. A major reason I enjoy this time of the year is the direct exposure I get to companies and often, fortunately, the company's leadership. Through this exposure, you can really get a feel for the culture of a company and its brands. And a company's culture is always a hugely important component to that company's success. And that's because the culture of a company largely defines who that company really is. It becomes the personality of the company, both internally and externally. And before thinking of your own company, think about whoever you might view as a competitor. How do you and, and others describe that company? What attributes do you mentally assign to that company and its brands? And now, understanding that none of us can truly be objective when we think about ourselves or our own companies, how would you describe your company? How would your competitors and more importantly, your customers describe your company and its culture? Our company culture defines us and gives us our company personality and our identity. So where does that culture originate? Well, ideally it comes from our core values, but how many companies write down or state their core values and then have trouble living up to those values on a day-to-day -day basis? So does your company live by its stated core values or are they simply nice buzzwords that look good in the company's collateral materials or on the wall of the lobby as people enter your building? Beyond defining a company's personality and identity, there are several other reasons why culture of a company is so important. For instance, when potential employees are attracted to a particular company, it's often by the culture that that company exudes. When we hear a person considering a company, or vice versa, the company considering the person, that you'll hear it's a great fit, or just the opposite, it wasn't a good fit. Culture within a company plays a huge role in attracting the right talent or not attracting the right talent. And then when you've attracted the best talent, culture is really what keeps them, what retains them on staff. Whenever we've asked some of our industry's top performers why they stay with the organizations that they're with, more often than not, it's the people they work with and the culture they work in that is the stated reason. I'm not naive to think that money isn't some part of this as well. But when you hear responses like, it just feels comfortable here, or, I love the people I work with, 
or the one I heard recently, it just feels like home here. You know that there's something special going on and you know that it's a lot more to it than just the money. Having a great culture can turn your employees into company ambassadors as well. Think about it. Whenever your salespeople make a call or your internal people deal with vendors, they're presenting themselves as company ambassadors, showcasing the company's culture. And here's another reason that a company's culture is important. A strong culture will attract others who are similar to that culture, thereby reinforcing the existing culture that's there. After all, I think we generally want to spend more time around others we see as similar to ourselves. So a good culture will attract others who fit or want to fit into that environment, perpetuating it and making it the culture itself grow stronger and become more deeply embedded in the company. And unfortunately, the converse is true too. If you see a company that is you consider to have more of a toxic culture, then that company is probably going to attract more of that same toxic culture uh, when they attract personnel to come and work for them. Under a proper culture though, you have the opportunity to bring people together, to be a team, all striving for that same goal and having that common purpose. A company's culture is usually driven from the top down, but that's not always the case. Leaders are at every level, and it's really these leaders that drive the culture in any organization. And so that it gets said, leaders in an organization are not always the bosses. I think we've probably all seen cases of that. But the leaders, whoever they may be, do have a huge impact on the type of culture that that organization is going to have. And to that point, there's really no single perfect company culture. The perfect company culture is one that works well for that particular company and drives it to higher and higher levels of success. And that's why I love this time of year. I get to reconnect up close and personal with a wide variety of companies and their cultures. Success looks different and feels different every time you see it. And successful companies can come in all types of personality, all types of cultures, and all types of identities. So back to the beginning. Every company has a culture. So how is yours? The question is, is it the culture you want? If so, great. And if it's not, what are you doing about it so that it gets closer to what you want it to be? Remember, your company culture defines who you are, both internally and externally. It's that important. If you have thoughts or questions on your current culture or how you might change your culture, drop me a note. I'd love to talk to you about it. Well, that's it, everybody. That wraps up today's Seat Yourself podcast. I want to thank Shannon Talon for joining us. And of course, I especially want to thank you, our listeners, for joining in today. And finally, I want to thank the Edward Don and Company for sponsoring, in part, this episode of Seat Yourself. Edward Don and Company, everything but the food for nearly 100 years. This is Dave Turner, and we'll see you next time. But always remember, Tabletop Matters. For more information and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, be sure to check out tabletopjournal.com or email Dave at dt at tabletopjournal.com. Dave.